welcome to Ramanistan Podcast. We're your friendly neighborhood gypsies. I'm Paulina, and I'm currently a student of biotechnology living in California. I own a wellness business. I'm in the process of opening a traditional Romani cuisine business, and I am a fortune teller. I practice tarot card, palm, and Turkish coffee readings. I am an advocate for Romani rights inside and outside of the culture. This is actually what led me um, to reach out to the amazing Jess, and now we are getting the word out together. Yay! <laughs> I'm Jess, and I'm a writer, educator, activist, former professor of English, and possibly a future professor, depending on what I feel like. An artist, art model, dancer, and fortune teller dealing in tarot, tea leaves, and palmistry. I'm also a healer in my family's tradition, and I identify as a witch, which I will probably explain in a future episode. Right now, I'm living between Brooklyn, New York, and the forests of New Hampshire, and what's fun is that Paulina and I don't know each other that well. She reached out to me with this podcast concept, and so our friendship is taking place right in front of y'all. Sometimes these episodes might just be the two of us, and sometimes we'll interview Roma as well as non-Roma. And some topics we're excited to cover in the future are fortune telling, misrepresentation of gypsies on TV and how we're countering that, LGBTQIA community and activism inside and outside the Romani community, Romani fashion, Black Lives Matter and Afro-Romani people, indigenous and Romani relations, sex work versus human trafficking. Also celebrating Romani culture and achievements, um, how we can stop the practice of child marriage, um, you know, Romani arts, activism, science, Roma community and COVID cuisine, uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> and, you know, those breaking away from oppressive religious tradition, similar issues that Roma and non-Romani minorities face, um, and much more. Yeah, we have so many ideas. We're really excited. <laughs> For those of you not familiar with the word Romanistan, Romanistan was a country proposed by Romani activists in the 50s, where Roma, more commonly known by the slur gypsies, were imagined to live in peace away from the outside world. A real country isn't practical, and we're not traditionally colonizers anyway, and a lot of Roma actually want to live in the outside world and do, and still maintain our culture. So for us at Romanistan Podcasts, it's a little different. You want to tell us? Yeah, so Romanistan is a state of mind and the world is our countries. Gypsies are diverse, after all, and uh, live all over the world. What comes to your mind when you think of gypsies? The stereotypes I usually hear are the seductively dressed fortune teller who might tell you your future or put a curse on you. There's the stereotype of the thief and the outlaw. There are the kind of hippie-ish, free-spirited wanderers. 
And there are a lot more. Usually women are super sexualized and men are depicted as really aggressive and scary. Yeah, um, I hear the similar. I hear that, you know, oh, they're pickpocketers or recently someone at dinner last night was like, well, you know, my parents always told me the gypsies are going to get you. (laughs) And so it's definitely not... um, you're not something you want to be known for. Yeah, everyone thinks that we're going to steal their kids. And honestly, we don't need them. It's fine. <laughs> like we, we don't want your children. Uh, so yeah, we're not any of that. Uh, but Roma are a diasporic ethnic group originally from northern India. Early Roma seem to have left around the 10th century, probably because of war and traveled west over many centuries. And we're still fighting for our human rights and still facing discrimination. So in Ramanistan, we're going to talk about the real lives of gypsies today, from the super traditional to the assimilated and everyone in between. We celebrate our trends, customs, icons, fringe movements, our allyship and shared experiences with other communities. Gypsies have always been romanticized and viewed as outcasts from society. So we'll be giving extra love to our so-called outcasts of the outcasts, the gypsies who might not fit in with some more traditional communities, like those of us pursuing higher education, those rejecting child marriage and other oppressive traditions, those who marry or date outside the community, the intersectional feminists, LGBTQIA folks, sex workers, and other sub-communities. We also have diplomatic relations with other communities facing similar issues, and we're making the effort to be good allies to others fighting for their rights and representations, or those who may be outcasts from their community for their identities and truth. Yeah, and since we're talking about outcasts, uh, we should explain that we love outcasts. And though the term is negative most of the time, we're not thinking of the term in a negative way. In our perspective, outcasts are just being themselves, even when it is at odds with tradition. And what's beautiful is that outcasts then create their own culture and supportive community. I I think it's just crazy to be an outcast in an already somewhat outcast society. All outcasts have a place and a community with us. I love outcasts because they did it. They actually like crossed the line and decided to be whoever the fuck they want to be. They know there will be irreversible consequences for sometimes simple things like, you know, liking who you love or even just liking or wanting to date a gender or going to school and breaking traditional norms. Uh, but they do it anyway. They live true to themselves because any other way is suffering. And both of us are outcasts, I think, <laughs> in different ways. How do you feel, <laughs> Jess? Yeah, I mean, that is so beautiful. I, I feel like we're both the patron saints of outcasts with open arms. I identify as an outcast because I'm super mixed. Uh, my heritages are very mixed and I don't speak the language aside from what I'm just learning now as an adult. I'm taking classes with the writer Samuel Mago and I definitely recommend looking him up. He's also a translator. 
I'm also a bit of an outcast because I'm queer and my partner of many years is a gajo and gajo is um, the word for non-Romani man, singular. And even before that though, my great grandmother Francesca was trafficked when she was just a teenager in Germany by a gajo who forced her to marry him. She and her parents became outcasts because of the shame and Francesca had a Romani lover who called himself König or King in German. That was my grandma's father. He was not a loving man though. And after a botched attempt to kill my grandmother as a toddler, that's quite the story, he was out of their lives. And so that was further complicating her position in society. Unfortunately, my mother was also trafficked by her Gajo father when she was a child. And, you know, there's a lot of stigma around this still. And unfortunately, too, Romani women and children are much more likely to face trafficking, especially in Europe, than white women. And the issue is at a crisis point and has been for a really long time. So this is something that we're both passionate about. And to help Romani survivors of domestic violence and human trafficking, we just want to note that you can give to the wonderful Roma-run nonprofit eRomnia, and we'll have details about that in the show notes. So how are you an outcast, Paulina? Um, well, I want to say thank you for sharing that. That's definitely some heavy stuff. I am an outcast in so many ways. So the family I was born into is very traditional, like they are not really evolved um, in the modern world when it comes to rights and women rights specifically, um, and many other things. First, I went through an arranged marriage um, at 17 with another gypsy um, who was a part of my same family um, group. Um, we didn't legally get married. The men prefer not to be financially responsible for women when it comes to the law. The men were known to stray from their wives, and I was taught that um, growing up, um, that's okay. This is the first thing I had a hard time accepting, but I was always told boys will be boys. So I went along with it for a while. Um, after years of struggling like with acceptance, um, I started to educate myself and kind of like woke up one day feeling like immediate action was imperative. Um, I wanted to go to school, um, so that was another reason for being an outcast um, in my family. I left my marriage and the whole family. Um, you know, I filed for custody of my kids when I left, um, and that was a really big thing. Um, according to normal, like, Romani law, the man always or usually gets the kids and you're considered like blackballed um, if you involve any kind of law enforcement or court. After I left my family and continued to fight in court against their wishes, I then proceeded to be in a relationship with a non-gypsy man, which was the main reason I was officially like outcasted from my main family. In time, we got married, and some people from my family have reached out. Um, usually, it's a secret, but I was still surprised, you know? That's really, really hard, and I applaud your bravery in doing what you felt like was right. 
I feel really lucky that um, when my grandma came to the U.S. in the 50s, she was just like, I'm a baby feminist. She didn't even have a word for that yet, but she was just like, I'm a feminist and women do what we want and I'm wearing pants. And she was just really like full of this fire, which, um, you know, I've always admired about her and you just are such a trailblazer to me and your family. And though we talk about some of the more difficult things about um, certain aspects of Romani culture, we really, really love Romani culture. And we also love the progress and change that so many Roma are making. Yes. It's important. (laughs) So to start off our first episode, we thought we'd introduce ourselves and our backgrounds and our personal relationships to gypsy identity. In future episodes, we'll have people sharing their perspectives and we'll go into other aspects of our own experiences later. But this is just a little, you know, dipping our toes in, saying hello to y'all. So I am from New Hampshire, which, for those of you not familiar, is in the northeast of the United States, though I've lived many places since. My father's side of the family is Gage, so non-Roma, and my mother's side is mixed Gage and Romani. My maternal grandmother's Vitsa, or, you know, that's a Romani word for clan, is Sinti. I contain a lot of cultural heritages, but my grandma has always made sure to teach me as much as she could about Sinti culture. I've always been really close with her, and as such, I strongly identify with that part of my heritage. So my grandmother, as I mentioned, is an immigrant. She fled Germany alone as a teenager just after World War II on the arm of an American soldier who turned out to be a violent and dangerous man. Uh, And eventually, uh, he tried to kill the whole family in the 70s and was committed. So that's how she got away from such a scary person. It's quite a story. Uh, I write a little bit about it in my creative writing. My grandmother survived as a Sinteza, as a Sinti woman, or girl really, in Nazi Germany by hiding her culture. And through a series of events that would honestly take an entire podcast to explain. As such, she didn't grow up speaking the language and she lost some of the family's customs. Traditionally, the women in my family were fortune tellers and dancers. Some were drabani or healers. And the men were musicians, soldiers, crow charmers, when you make friends with a crow and then perform with them, and farmers. My great-great-grandmother, Matilda Von Tila, was relatively well-known for her dancing and used to travel up and down the river Danube from Germany to Hungary performing in towns along the banks and sometimes on river barges, which sounds so fun. My grandmother used to call her a river gypsy. And, you know, when I was little, I heard this and had my own idea of what that meant. So for years, I erroneously believed that my family lived and traveled in barges on the river and way too late in life, I believed this. That that, that was not the case. (laughs) And Vantila is a name that my great-great-grandmother adopted as her stage name. The Vaughn denotes royalty, and she was really clever in playing into the gypsy princess stereotype as part of her stage presence. And that's still, that gypsy princess thing is still such a thing. In honor of her, I adopted the name Jasmina Von Tila for my own dancing, fortune-telling, art modeling career. And that's where, how you can find me on Instagram, jasmina.vontila. And after a really messy divorce, I nearly changed my name to the stage name, but decided against it because most of my writing is published under Jessica Reedy. And um, 
I'm Paulina. I am from California and have lived up and down the coast uh, my whole life. I identify the most like with San Francisco and LA um, and a small town called Morro Bay. Um, I went to elementary school there. My parents are both Romani and deeply involved in Romani practices, um, holidays and traditions. We spoke Romanis, uh, the traditional language, but it's definitely disappearing. I speak Romanis, but barely anymore. And I can understand it pretty well. The women in my family are fortune tellers, and the men usually buy and sell cars, um, boats, or trailers. Part of my family came to America before World War II, and part of them fled here during World War II. We definitely have to have an episode about the involvement of our ancestors in World War II because um, we have a lot to tell. Yeah. <laughs> I am part of the Machwaya Vitsa, um, or clan. From what I was told growing up, my ancestors settled in Serbia uh, for many years um, after enslavement um, and named their specific group after the city Makva um, in Serbia. Roma are actually the third largest ethnic group um, in Serbia. I am also partial Goldarash, the other Vitsa, um, but I don't know too much about this side. My great-grandparents, um, Mikaela Ioanovic and Madam Butterfly, her real name was Gypsy Rose, they were activists in a way, you could say. Madam Butterfly practiced fortune-telling before it was legal um, in America and urged other Romani women to fight for the right to do so. Um, she was arrested for fortune-telling and spent two years in prison. I mean, during her time, she ended up kind of teaching the other women, like, how to sew and make clothing. Um, and I think she kind of turned it into a learning experience. Um, and these were my great-great-grandparents. So after she was released, she still continued to practice fortune-telling and even had a successful business, um, all in hiding, of course. Her husband, my great-great-grandfather, served in World War II as an American soldier and received a Purple Heart after he was injured um, and when he returned home. Their kids, my great-grandparents, then went on to fight for rights in the area of fortune-telling as well. Mila, my great-grandfather, and Finia Stevens, my great-grandmother, were the first Roma to fight for rights um, to allow the legal practice of fortune-telling in Arizona. They eventually won and paved the way for other Roma to legalize fortune-telling in other states across America. My birth name is Paulina Stevens, but I now go by Paulina Stevens Verminsky. The name Stevens was the product of oppression and trying to fit in. My ancestors changed their name, Stevanovich, to Stevens to seem more American. And you can find me on social media by just searching Paulina V. That is so fascinating. I love that activist history of your family. And I love that your grandma was teaching women all these great skills that would serve them later. That's just so badass and wonderful. So we um, have pretty cool grandmas, both of us. <laughs> we do. They're amazing. And one thing, too, I, I think a lot of people probably don't know, but the anti-fortune-telling law 
laws in the U.S. were specifically targeted toward Roma and trying to keep Roma from practicing fortune telling, which is a traditional trade. And while Paulina and I both have fortune telling as a trade in our family, not all Roma do. It's, it's more of a thing that certain families do. But for a long time, it was one of the few jobs that Roma could really practice because of oppression. And so you might also be wondering, as you've been listening to us, why do we keep calling ourselves gypsies when we mentioned earlier that it's a slur? Both of us prefer that non-Roma refer to us using the correct term, Romani, and prefer that non-Roma don't appropriate the word gypsy. And at the same time, both of us grew up with our families referring to themselves as gypsies. That's what they, that's the term that they were used to, that's the term that they use. And so we're making a conscious choice to reclaim the word as an act of empowerment, but also, you know, just to normalize Roma calling ourselves gypsies if we want to. Not all Roma do. And so here's a popular question that a lot of Roma ask each other. When did you know you were a gypsy? So when did you know? (laughs) (laughs) I knew because my grandmother came out with it when I was around five years old. And she started teaching me palm reading and dancing and eventually tea leaf reading and card reading. And then when I was just a little older, she started telling me about customs, sharing family stories, and just sharing and practicing these things a little bit at a time. But as you might imagine, based on her own history and the way she had to hide her ethnicity and growing up uh, during a time of Roma genocide, uh, I'm still discovering the darker and more complicated aspects of my family history as my grandma's ready to talk about them. And she also made me swear up and down as soon as she told me uh, not to tell anyone that we were gypsies. And I kept that secret for about a year, (laughs) cracking in first grade, when the kids kept asking me, what are you, over and over. And she was right. Telling people made my life harder. And we'll talk more about the racism that we face in future episodes. But for now, we're just going to focus on identity. So when did you know, Paulina? Um, It was a pretty similar experience. I was in elementary school and my parents told me, you know, never say you are a gypsy. People don't like gypsies. Um, And surprisingly enough, my kindergarten teacher um, came up to my dad after I was in school for a couple of weeks and said, I want you to know, I know you are a gypsy. Um, And, you know, of course, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, we always tried to pretend, you know, we weren't what we are. Like, oh, you know, we're this or that or Greek or Serbian. And and even though we have those things in our bloodline, like, it's so, you know, not who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Her intention um, was to sound, like, intimidating. Um, And that whole year, I was, like, mistreated by her. After that, I knew I was a gypsy. And I knew there was some reason that I wasn't liked. And, um it was that kind of like wake up like i was 5 year old 5 years old and i was like okay you know i'm in hiding already mm, that's so hard yeah i hate that the kindergarten teacher was like that and of course you know anti gypsy racism is so much more intense in europe than it is in america but it's still so present here and a lot of american roma have had experiences of different types of anti gypsyism yeah, so 
you know, I hope everyone has a better sense of who we are and what we are about. You can visit us at romanistanpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at romanistanpodcast. You can also find us individually. I have a website at jessicareedy.com and jasminavontila.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at jasmina.vontila.com. And you can check out the show notes for the spelling. Where can they find you, Paulina? You can find me at origamisoul.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at Paulina V. If you have guest or topic recommendations, questions or comments, please be nice. Email us at romanistanpodcast at gmail.com. Romanistan Podcast was conceived of by Paulina Verminski and is hosted by Paulina Verminski and Jessica Reedy. Music is by Victor Pachas. And this episode was edited by Carlu Petrao and produced by Melissa Moriarty. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the show.